two on one. Stone with Stevenson. Stone stops, shoots, he scores! The double fist pump, the high five with White Cloud, the embrace with Stevenson, shorthanded goal, the captain, Mark Stone. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Misfits to champions. The Vegas Golden Knights win the Stanley Cup in 2023. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas, Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... That is right. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, hanging out with you for the next two hours. We'll check in with Darren Millard, who is in Nashville. He was there last night for the NHL Awards. He'll be there over the course of the week for the NHL Draft, which, of course, comes at you tomorrow. Round one, NHL Draft, the Connor Bedard Show. We'll come at you live tomorrow from Nashville. And then on Thursday, rounds two through seven, all tidy and quick and fast. And everybody gets on with their business before you ho- you head into the final. Well, you I call it the final stretch in terms of, of the offseason, but it's actually the beginning of the next season for the, uh, for the National Hockey League. And that'll be free agency on Saturday, July 1st. Some breaking news. Right off the bat here, and and you know we'll get to one timers later. News and notes from around the NHL. We're going to talk about the big trade today in the National Hockey League. Pierre Luc Dubois is now a Los Angeles King, but right now as we go to air, Tyler Toffoli has been traded to the New Jersey Devils for Yegor Yegor Sharangovich and a third round pick. So I want to get instant analysis from the resident Devils fan here in the in the building. Chris Chapman, Tyler Toffoli, a New Jersey Devil, Yegor Sharangovich, and a third-round pick out the door. Your thoughts? Well, I think Sharangovich is a guy who kind of wore out his welcome a little bit in New Jersey. There was a lot of hype about him, never quite lived up to the expectations. Mm-hmm. I've liked Tyler Toffoli since he was a member of the LA Kings, thought mm-hmm. he was a really good player, had a really, really good season in Calgary a couple of years ago. Um, look, if, if the Devils are serious, this is the kind of guy who, who you need on your roster, a good young player. And uh, I mean, I, I, I like Sharon Govich, but I just don't feel like he ever quite lived up to the expectations that were laid forth before him. So maybe a change of scenery will be good for him. Tyler Toffoli is a winner and he scores goals. Yeah. Like what more could you ask for? <laughs> There's not much else you want. Yeah. Like you want to put him alongside Jack Hughes. You want to put him in a situation to... To, to find the the nose uh, of the net, and and that's what he does really well for. Uh, Devil's really active well. today. Yeah, well, the Devils are doing some business. Say goodbye to Mackenzie Blackwood. We'll get to that later because <laughs> Golden Knights fans are going to like that acquisition for the San Jose Sharks. Yeah. San Jose, I, I don't know. It's a goalie. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit deeper in hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. But right now we want to get to the schedule. That's right. The schedule is out in the National Hockey League for all 32 teams. There's a couple of really cool things on a league-wide level that we're going to dig into, including one that I think is awesome, but I also don't understand it. And that seems to be kind of a trend at times for the National Hockey League. Awesome ideas, execution, I, I don't quite get. But the Golden Knights 
will open up the season on October 10th against the Seattle Kraken. That's right. The Golden Knights will raise their Stanley Cup championship banner with the Seattle Kraken in town at T-Mobile Arena. Now, we talked about this at length last week. We were trying to determine what the best opponent would be for the Vegas Golden Knights in that banner-raising ceremony. I did mention Seattle, but it's not the opponent I wanted to see. I was all in on the Edmonton Oilers. Call me petty. That's fine. I don't mind it. I'm okay with it. In a perfect world, it would be a Stanley Cup championship rematch. It would be forcing the Florida Panthers to be in the building and watch that banner go up because I couldn't think of anything that would motivate a team more than having to sit through that. But it's not that way in the National Hockey League, and it is what it is. So it's the Seattle Crack and the Vegas Golden Knights. They'll open up the season October 10th. I I don't know, Chapman. Like I... As much as as much as I want to be excited about that, I don't know that I love the opponent. Yeah, I think it kind of misses the bar a little bit. I mean, obviously, it's an opponent that you can get excited about because it's the Kraken, mm-hmm. but I feel like there were better matchups out there. It's uh, especially considering that these two teams are already playing one of the marquee nights or games in the NHL as they they play that New Year's Day game. Um, so I didn't feel like there was much reason to put the Kraken as your opening night opponent I because agree. because you, you you burn a marquee game now. So I, I don't know that I view it that way because I, I think that any time Vegas and Seattle get together, it's going to be marquee based on what Seattle did last year, how far they pushed it. We were, well, yeah, we, but we you, were, you could have we made were, that that game a, a, a Saturday night game. So you know, here's my issue with it. Seattle was one game away from a Western Conference Championship Series against the Vegas Golden Knights, if they got there... That makes a lot more sense. Then I'm all on board. Yes. If they got there, if the Golden Knights played the Seattle Kraken in this playoff run, I can get there. Yeah. We knew it wasn't going to be Florida, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that you and I feel that it should be. It should be. Like a rematch of the Stanley Cup on a standalone night. I agree. I agree. Before everyone else gets... and, And that's the other thing, like, for me... The champions should get the night, right? Yes. That that the entire opening day in the National Hockey League should be centered on and centered around the Stanley Cup champions. They should have their night. And and it should be, and I've said this before, the way that the the previous season ends is the way that the next season should begin. It should be the the champions against the team that they beat and if you don't want to be in that position as the loser, don't lose. win. Yeah. Like, like I love the idea of not just the NHL, but the NBA and Major League Baseball, NFL, giving the champions their standalone night. It's a national event. The national media shows up for it. You show the banner raising ceremony. And I don't, and, and, and like I don't just say this just because it's the Golden Knights. I've always felt mm-hmm. that the team that wins the Stanley Cup or or the NBA championship, they should have their night on national television to open the season. Not surrounded by four or five other games where it's kind of lost. You know, you, you start the game at 5 o'clock so people on the East Coast are, are not in bed. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it's one of those things that I think both the both the NHL and the NBA and, and, and Major League Baseball as well, they kind of dropped the ball. So, kind of along those lines, the Golden Knights are going to be part of a triple header. Yeah, I don't like it. It's a triple header. And, and now, granted... 
you look at the first matchup, Nashville Tampa, that's going to go at 2:30 p.m. Yeah. Like okay, it, it's fine. Like there's still some cachet with the Tampa Bay Lightning, but, but Nashville, the Nashville Predators, uh, I don't care that much. I don't want to see them. Here's where I take umbrage. Here's where I am upset about how this is going to go in terms of the night because as as you just mentioned, the Stanley Cup champion should be front and center. They should have their own night. Everything about the season opener should be centered around the team that won the championship. Instead, the middle game is the Chicago Blackhawks and the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's Connor Bedard versus Sidney Crosby. It's the number one overall pick. And again, we don't know that it's going to be Connor Bedard, but hey, it's going to be Connor Bedard. <laughs> the next one, the next guy, the yeah. next McDavid, the next in a long line of generational, quote, generational talent. I, it doesn't sit right with me that Bedard's going to make his debut on the same night that the champions are going to raise their banner against one of the best to ever do it in Sidney Crosby. Well, here's the other issue with that. You have three of the first four teams playing on your opening night that missed the playoffs. Hmm? Nashville stinks. <laughs> Chicago is they they're going to get the best player in the draft, but they stink. And then you, you've got the Pittsburgh Penguins who still have Sidney Crosby, mm. but they we, don't stink. But they're not great either. Well, they're not great, but they don't stink. They miss the playoffs. They stink. When half the league <laughs> makes the playoffs, if you don't make the playoffs, you stink. And, 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 except in cases like the Golden Knights a couple years ago, right? They had 500 games lost to injuries. That's hey, a, that's an that's exception to the rule. I was waiting to see how quickly you'd uh, you'd recant that. Well, how quickly you'd you'd go back on your uh, I, I mean, on look, your bold the, proclamation. Well, it is a bold proclamation with with the caveat that if you have a, a team that suffers through the injuries like the Golden Knights did a couple years, look, they they clearly showed that they don't stink. I don't think the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to turn around and win the Stanley Cup this year. I don't think they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but they were one point away. But they're not a, they're, they're not good. It actually. That's the game that essentially locked up Bedard. Yeah. For the Chicago Blackhawks. It's a rematch because of that they, game. Because they, they, they. That was the game where the Penguins lost, right? <laughs> yes. That allowed the Florida Panthers to, to get into to the get playoffs, in. to go to the Stanley Cup final. And it was the game that allowed Chicago to be where they were in order to win the draft lottery. God. Unreal. Yeah. But again, it's not the marquee moment for the champions and I don't like that and that's where I'm going to come around a little bit to what Mallard was talking about have a separate banner raising ceremony like if if you're going to be part of three games four games whatever in terms of opening night have your own banner raising ceremony ahead of time so that you can have the moment you can have all the eyes on you and I know that there's going to be a ceremony and I know that there's going to be some hoopla and all that but you're going to be fatigued if you're a hockey fan from watching two other games before you even get to the most important moment of the night. Well, and I don't care about any other fan base right now. The most important moment on, on October 10th is raising the Stanley Cup championship banner. Yeah. And and here's no the, other game should be played until that happens. Here, here's my other issue with that. The game starts at 730 our time. Mm-hmm. Which basically means by the time the puck drops in that game, because you're going to have the 20-minute banner sure. ceremony, whatever it is, 30 minutes, half the country and yeah, they're asleep. and three-quarters of Canada mm-hmm. have already turned the game off because they're going to sleep. Yeah, 11, 11, So you get, you get basically people east of the Rockies, or west of the Rockies, I should say, in the U.S. and Canada watching that game, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're the NHL, and I don't know if the game's on ES, it's on ESPN, I think. 
Yep, ESPN. You have your the marquee team right now, the team mm-hmm. in the most electric city in North America, maybe yes. the world. Yes. A city people tune in to watch because they're they get excited about Las Vegas. And you schedule that game at a time when half the country, more than half the country, is turning the lights out and going to bed because they got work on Wednesday morning. <laughs> there was an elimination game for Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the Edmonton Oilers that was played at 7, th- yeah, 7 I know, because like, I was in Florida. At, and it's it's one of those things where I don't understand it. But again, the larger point remains, regardless of the time, because I'm with you. Like It should be 5 p.m. It should be at a time where everybody, no matter where you live in the country, no matter where you live in Canada, you should be able to tune in and watch that. I'm sorry. Nothing should happen until that banner is in the rafters. That's how I feel, and I've always felt that way when it comes to championship banners being raised. It is what it is. We'll move on from that because there are a couple of things that I do want to get to in terms of the schedule. Obviously, we know the Winter Classic is going to be January 1st at T-Mobile Park in Seattle against the Kraken. That's a big-time game, Mm -hmm. obviously, not just for the Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights, but the National Hockey League. This rivalry, assuming that the Seattle Kraken aren't going to take a step back, and I don't believe the Golden Knights are going to take a step back at all. This could be the legitimate rivalry. Like as much as we it was pushed Arizona and and as much as we talk about San Jose and I know it got intense for a little bit, but let's just be honest here, it's not going to be as intense with San Jose for a long time. Until yeah. the Sharks are in the playoffs, until there's legitimate meaningful games, the Golden Knights did in 6 years what the Sharks haven't been able to do in their entirety as an organization. They've won a Stanley Cup. It's the ultimate trump card. You cannot talk to a Golden Knight fan if you're a Sharks fan. You just can't. And and there's nothing you can do about it. It takes a lot of the shine off of that championship. But with Seattle being good and Vegas being good, those two teams might legitimately play in the playoffs. They're going to have competitive games in the regular season. And now Seattle is chasing something that the Golden Knights have laid the blueprint for. And if you don't think that there are going to be moments where the Golden Knights want to take that away from Seattle or where Seattle wants to get there faster ahead of the Vegas Golden Knights, it's going to turn into a legitimately good rivalry. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you on that because I feel like Seattle is going to be good. I think Seattle's probably going to be better than they were last year. The Golden Knights should be about as good as they were this year. I don't, I don't foresee them taking a step back. This kind of feels, though, like the NHL is trying to force that rivalry. Like, all right, guys. I'm okay with that, though. L.A. LA didn't work because L.A. has Anaheim. San Jose didn't work because San Jose stinks. Arizona didn't work because, well, it's Arizona. Maybe we can kind of push this Seattle goal. But the play on the ice is what will dictate the rivalry. Like, I don't know any Kraken fans. So, like, I don't know if there's, like, legitimate, like, dislike between the two fan bases. But... I could see it getting that way. I could certainly see that 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 turn. I mean, the Golden Knights were the very first franchise that the Seattle Kraken played their the their in their NHL debut. It was against Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. You and I were there. It was a couple of years ago. Great game, fun. The fan, the unbelievable pregame with the squid under the ice. Like like that's just super cool. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what they do for for opening night. But I mean. I want to see the rivalry develop naturally. I don't want to see it pushed 
like that Coyotes one was because that was never going to work. Nobody in Vegas cares about Phoenix. Nobody in Phoenix cares about Vegas, and they never did. There's never, there's not a rivalry between Phoenix and Vegas. Well, I mean, it didn't hurt that the Golden Knights came in and you know beat, beat the, the bleep out of them. Yeah, well, someone didn't score that night, but he was pretty bleeping good that year. So. Pretty, pretty bleeping good. Okay, um, so Seattle. Vegas, they'll play four times. And if you're wondering kind of how that breaks down in terms of the Pacific Division, uh, the Golden Knights will play four games against the following opponents. Anaheim, Calgary, Seattle, San Jose, Vancouver. So those are the five that Vegas is going to play four games against in the Pacific Division. Then you've got the teams they'll play just three times in the Pacific. Two, twice at home for the Golden Knights, once on the road against Los Angeles, and then once at home, twice on the road against Edmonton. So I hate that. I hate they're that only playing Edmonton three times. Well, here's here's my bigger issue. Like, I, I, and I know it works for the balance of of the schedule and, and kind of how you got to work things out from a numbers perspective. Can we please get more than more games against the division? Like, I I, I don't necessarily care all that much about playing the Central three times. I don't care all that much about how things are broken down from from the central perspective. I want to see every single team in the league. I want to see the games where you're able to bring in the Floridas, you're able to bring in the Tampa Bays and the Pittsburghs and all that because the talent's just too good in this league to go an entire year without seeing some of those teams. But I'm not a fan of only playing five teams in your division four times. I just don't like it. See, now there's a, there's a better solution. Get rid of two preseason games and add two more regular season games. I, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I, I don't disagree with we don't, that. We don't I, need seven preseason games. And, and I think that that's the direction it's going to go. I Eventually. Don't know, I don't know when we're going to get there. but Maybe yeah, the next CBA, hopefully. You're, you're absolutely right. I, I think that in order to have those divisional rivalries, and that's what everything's built upon, right? Like, we're going to have a divisional system in the playoffs, even when we don't end up having divisional matchups, which... Is Seattle nearly making it to the Western Conference Final? But I digress. My, my point is, y- you want to build these rivalries. The only way you're going to do that is with more games played between these teams. And I just don't think there's enough right now. Even even four games feels light. Well, here here's the problem. The Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers played a very testy series. Mm-hmm. And the league's response to that is, yeah, you're only going to play each other three times next year. Yeah. Not four. I don't like it. Like, the teams get cheated because they don't like each other. Sure. The fans in Vegas get cheated because they only get to see Connor McDavid once a year, one 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 game next year, unless they travel to Edmonton. Do you think? Do you think fans are upset about that here? I would be. I no, wanna, no, no. I, like you're a hockey fan. Yes. I think Golden you, Knight fans. Do you think Golden Knight fans are upset that they're only going to see McDavid once yeah, in person? Yes. Yes. Because huh. they because I think the fans here want to be able to to give him a hard time. <laughs> About the fact that Jack Eichel won a Stanley Cup before he did. That's actually a really good point. Like, I, yeah. I think the fans want to give it to pissy Leon Dreisidel. I think the fans want to give it to Evander Kane, who, yeah. who was, a, who was a, a hot mess in that series. Like, I think the fans here, they've earned the right to chirp the Edmonton Oilers. And the fact that they only get to do it once mm-hmm. is, is kind of, it, you're cheating the fans. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I am on board with watching Connor McDavid as much as I possibly oh, can. Oh, yeah, me too. I love, I t- I I love watching the Oilers. I love watching Dreisaitl. I, I love those atmospheres because every single time that team comes to T-Mobile Arena, the games are fun, the scoring is high, high. Yeah. and 
both teams hate each other. Yeah. I brought my wife to one game last year. It was the Edmonton game. Mm -hmm. Saturday night. You can't get any better than that. No, I agree. And the idea that the Golden Knights are only going to... First of all, the idea that they're going to play the Kings only three times is pretty damn stupid, too, because that's the, that's the team that's the closest to you. Well, I mean, you've got to rotate it out. Yeah, but but <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on the, the, the idea that the Golden Knights are going to play the Nashville Predators the mm -hmm. same amount of times that they're going to play the LA Kings. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's stupid. It, it doesn't make sense. It's stupid. Now, I understand that I don't like the imbalance thing to begin with. Like, I don't like the idea of playing the Central mm -hmm. three times. Like, to me, three is a bad number. You either do it twice or you do it four times. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I would rather go one and one yeah. against the Central. Yeah. Like, legitimately, I'd rather go one and one. And, you know, that kind of pulls away some of those games against the Colorado Avalanche that have been very, very good. But, but they're it not is in what your division. I, I agree. I'm, I'm cool I with want that. I want more games against divisional opponents. I, I would love to see that, especially with the emphasis placed on divisional matchups in the playoffs. That being said, talking about the Central, the Golden Knights will have two home games against Chicago, Colorado, Minnesota, and Nashville. So while we don't get to see Connor McDavid more than once here, you do get to see Kale McCarr. You do get to see Nathan McKinnon. You do get to see... Uh, Kirill Kaprizov, I, I, like that's worth something. You do get to see Connor Bedard twice, like yeah. that's big. Uh, and then just to kind of you know look at things the other direction, two road games for the Golden Knights will be against Arizona, Dallas, St. Louis, and Winnipeg. So, so two opportunities to go to Mullet Arena. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, <laughs> if you're gonna like from from a from a player perspective, probably not ideal. But from you know a fan perspective, you only gotta. We got to watch the Arizona Coyotes one time. Yeah, I mean that's cool. That's good. <laughs> okay, um, the Golden Knights will have a five-game homestand. It's the longest of the season, January 11th through the 20th. They'll play Boston, Calgary, Nashville, the New York Rangers, and Pittsburgh, and they'll have two five-game road trips, November 14th through the 22nd, and February 24th through March 4th. Um, Five-game road trips in the Vegas Golden Knights, that's been like the story of their season over the last two years, right? The year they missed the playoffs, they go on a five-game road trip, they cannot find a victory, bum, 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 bum. and they missed the playoffs. Yeah. Last season, five-game road trips out of the bye week in the All-Star break, absolute gangbusters, yeah. just Phenomenal. complete domination, and it leads to a Stanley Cup championship. So. From a scheduling perspective, the Golden Knights have 11 back-to-backs. They had just seven last year, so that's going to be a, a wrinkle to get used to. Um, they play a ton on Thursday night, so again, uh, things are kind of balanced out the way that they usually are. Heavy months are, are certainly November. It's always a very busy month in the National Hockey League. March is a very busy month in the National Hockey League, and then... Uh, Real quick, the bye week and the all-star break, uh, January 29th to February 4th. So that's just kind of a, a bigger planning perspective. It's going to be about the same as it was last year in terms of the bye week for the Vegas Golden Knights and, and really all the teams. Things that jump out at me, the, 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 the beginning of the schedule, the mm -hmm. beginning of the season, I don't care who you play. I like the fact that the Golden Knights have a ton of home games mm. to start the season. Like, you only have four road games in the month of October, and then through the second week, I'm sorry, third week of November, you only have one road game. So you've got, I think, 12 of your first 17 games at home, mm. which is good, and then you have a four-game homestand to end the season. 
Yeah, and you know it, it's kind of pretty well spread out. Obviously, there in in October, and you know then it gets a bit heavy there at the end of November, right? Like that's where a yeah, lot. Yeah, you got the the Canada Western Canada road trip. But what did we talk about? What did we talk about all year last year around the how ar- good this team is on the road? Well, how good they are on the road, but how difficult was it for the Golden Knights? to find victories around Thanksgiving and Christmas. It was tough. It was tough because they were playing all of those games at home. Wait, we talked about the distraction of and it's a be- it's a wonderful distraction. Yes. Like I don't want I don't want anybody to get twisted. It is it is a a luxury to be home with your family during the holidays. It is something that the players absolutely love. But when it comes to results on the ice when it comes to being able to compartmentalize and and be in the headspace you need to be at in order to win hockey games that was the toughest stretch of the year for the golden knights well when you look at the schedule especially around the that that second week so you got that that home game against san jose on the 10th Mm -hmm. you only see the golden knights at home once between the 10th and the end of the month and that's against coyotes because you got that Really weird kind of road trip to Washington, mm-hmm. Montreal, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh. And then you have a couple of days and you play Dallas. And you're home over Thanksgiving. And then you you, you have the Coyotes on the, the, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. No Black Friday game mm-hmm. this year, uh, which is interesting. Unless I have my Thanksgiving, my, my you don't, you don't. There's no Black okay. Friday game, and there's I, no, there's no New Year's Day game either, or well, no there, New Year's Eve game. There's no New because, Year's Eve game because of the of the Winter yes. Classic. Yep. Uh, and then just one other quick thing on the Golden Knights schedule. Then I want to get to something that the NHL is doing. Um, the Stanley Cup Final rematch, December twenty third in Florida against the Panthers, and then the Panthers are going to visit T-Mobile Arena January fourth. It should be October tenth. Yeah, it should be October tenth. That's 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 really what it boils down to for me. If it's not the Edmonton Oilers, it should be the Florida Panthers. Yeah, I the 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 the, the idea that you don't want to start a West Coast team on the East Coast or an East Coast team on the West Coast is is dumb to me. Like, you, you don't have to have Florida come out here for just one game. The Golden Knights opened up their second season against, against the, the Philadelphia Flyers. Flyers. Let's not talk about that one. Well, it, it doesn't matter. But, but they, yeah, I mean the, the you. The result. Who cares about the result? You the can, point you is can have, you can do it. Yeah, because you can have Florida play L.A. or Anaheim for a couple games and then send them back home. But like it, it to me, the idea of oh, you can't have that the, the team from Florida open <laughs> yeah. is dumb. It's a dumb. It's a dumb concept. Okay, so here's the thing that I want to talk about because I think it's really interesting and I, I love the concept of this, the idea of this from the National Hockey League. Because how many times do we talk about this? There's like eight or nine, ten games on, and every game is either a 4 p.m. start time, a 4.30 p.m. start time, a 7 p.m. start time, or a 7.30 p.m. start time. So, like, you've got eight games on, and at any given moment, four of the games are on at the same time, and then four of the games, uh, four, the other four games are on at the same time. The NHL... On Tuesday, October 24th, we'll have 16 games. So every team's in action. Every single team in the National Hockey League (laughs) is in action on Tuesday, October 24th. Tuesday. A Tuesday. Random Tuesday. A Tuesday in October. One week before Halloween. Now, here's what's really cool about it. Staggered start times. First game's 3.45, or I'm sorry, first game's at 3 o'clock, and then you've got a 3.30 and a 3.45 and a 4 and a 4.15 and a 4.30. You're staggering all the start times up until the final game of the night, which happens to be the Philadelphia Flyers at the Vegas Golden Knights. That game will start at 8 p.m. local time. 
8 p.m. local time. So games, staggered start times from 3 p.m. all the way until 8 p.m. local time. It is a hockey lover's dream. It's awesome. Kudos to the NHL for staggering the start times. Yes. Number one. On a and getting Tuesday. And getting all 16 teams in action. But the only question that I have, the only one I don't understand, why is it on a Tuesday? I feel like John Barr in the Toyota commercial. Yeah. Even on a Tuesday. Even on a Tuesday. Like, why? Here's, <laughs> here's the other crappy thing about that. It's a great concept, but do it on a Saturday. Do it on a Saturday. And the other thing. How crappy is that if you're a Flyers fan? Well, I mean, I mean, not not ideal. The game starts at eleven o'clock in Philadelphia. You're gonna get bumped for the eleven o'clock news, action news, Channel Six. Like you're the Flyers people. People are they're they're already asleep. They're laying in bed. They're mm -hmm. not gonna. I mean, you. The fact you're that the, fired up. The fact that the league. Makes it so difficult for fans to to find normal times to watch games. People here don't want an eight. That means you and I, we're gonna we're gonna work. You're so frustrated. From this is we're, we're gonna do the show from yeah. five to seven. Yeah, yeah. And then poor Bobby is gonna roll in here at at seven o'clock and do the pregame show for an hour. Mm -hmm. We're gonna have a three hour game. Mm -hmm. Dan and Gary are going to wrap it up. Mm -hmm. You and Dan are going to cross talk. Mm -hmm. You're going to do the recap, and then you're going to take calls. You're going to be here till you're going to be in the arena till midnight. <laughs> like the the beautiful thing about this is that is from from what I can tell, and, and it's a very rudimentary search of the of the schedule right now that I'm doing. From what from what I can tell, that is the only time all year where all sixteen are, where where sixteen games are being played on one day, where all thirty two teams are playing. I, I just, again, I love the idea. The concept's fantastic. It is something the NHL should absolutely do more of. Just not on a Tuesday. Do it on a Saturday. Do it it's on a Saturday. Not, do it on hard. a Sunday. Like, you could go from 8 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock at night, and you can stagger it out so that you can watch all of the remember, games remember and the have way they no, did. Bro, no, no time where you're not watching hockey. Remember the way they, they, they did the bubble? Yes. How great that yes. was? Yes, it was awesome. I mean, it sucked that it was in a bubble, but it was great. that. Well, it was hockey you all could, day you, long. You could get up at 8 in the morning. Yeah. And I mean, and listen, I'm not one to not drink a beer because it's only 8 o'clock in the morning. But I could roll out with the nachos and the queso and a, and a, and a Corona and start watching the game at 8 in the morning. So again... I love the concept. I love the idea. It's awesome. I'm not sitting on my couch with, with queso fresco and a, and a, a, a bag of chips and my Corona at eight o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. Not when I got to come here. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, the next time you do it, so 2024, 25, do it on a Saturday. Yeah, do it on a got, Sunday. Who do we got to talk to about that? I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, Mallard knows Bill Daly. We can talk to him about it. Yeah. Try to try to see how far we can get that idea to yeah, go. Yeah, like like Tuesday, on a Tuesday, on a Tuesday, even, even on, on a Tuesday. Tuesday. Yes. All right. Uh, so everything you ever wanted to know about the schedule, and then maybe even a little bit more. There you have it. Uh, we're gonna get uh, some thoughts, some ideas on Pierre Luc Dubois, who is now a Los Angeles King. Yeah, that's right. Pierre Luc Dubois, who famously wanted to go to the Montreal Canadiens is now a Los Angeles King. We'll uh, talk about that more next on the VGK Insider Show. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. We should let everybody know 
This will be the final week of regular shows, live shows for the VGK Insider Show until September. As we all know, once free agency comes and goes, there's not much that happens in the National Hockey League over the summer. So we will be with you the rest of the week on Monday. Something special in the works. And then... We all will wish you a happy summer, and we will reconvene early in September to talk about the defending Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights, and some new teams that are going to be pushing the defending Stanley Cup champions. One of those teams, the Los Angeles Kings, made a big splash today. Boy, oh boy. It's a sign-and-trade with the Winnipeg Jets. The Los Angeles Kings acquire Pierre-Luc Dubois, eight years, $8.5 million average annual value in exchange for Gabe Velarde, Alex Iafalo, Rasmus Kupari, and a 2024 second-round pick. Before I get into like details in particulars, because I, I want to go in-depth with this one, Chapman, I want to get your initial thoughts to this. Like, before we get into numbers, before we start to think about all these different things, Pierre-Luc Dubois locked into an extension. Though, when has that helped? Like, when when has that been a, a roadblock in leaving a destination for Dubois? Eight by 8.5 for Gabe Velarde, Alex Iafalo, Rasmus Kupari, and a 2024 second-round pick. My initial thought is the Kings overpaid. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I know that Gabe Velarde, young player, mm-hmm. tremendous, tremendous upside, high draft pick. He certainly has, has, I think, lived up to what has been expected of him. Mm-hmm. I think Alex Iafalo, while maybe last year wasn't his best season, he's a guy who in the past has, has produced, and he's a guy who tends to play really well against Golden Knights. So I'm kind of glad to see him go. Mm-hmm. But... Campari is is I, I think he's one of their their higher end prospects. They, they gave up a lot for a guy who, well, I don't know if L.A. was a place he wanted to go. Well, I mean he locked into eight years. Well, yeah, but when someone throws that much money at you too, it's it's kind of hard. Maybe it became apparent that Montreal was not going to make a move for him. No, I think they were in it. They just couldn't match what L.A. was willing to give up. Well, yeah, because L.A. was willing to give up. A lot. I mean, okay. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I mean, not that Montreal's moved today. I, I don't know, but like, I, I just feel like. Let me, let me ask you a different way. Are the Kings better now than they were three hours ago? No, I think they're worse. <laughs> Why? Because I, I, I feel like you gave up. Well, Ayafalo only had 36 points last year. Mm-hmm. He also only played 59 games. Mm-hmm. So he, he missed some time. I think Velarde, the production that you could get out of him, mm-hmm. I feel like it's maybe not comparable to to what you're you're gonna get from Pierre Luc Dubois, but it's not that far away. And when you combine it with Ayafalo and Campari, mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're taking a hit production-wise because because Pierre-Luc Dubois, his numbers are good, but they're not elite. Like, he he's never put up elite numbers. Okay, 
So Pierre-Luc Dubois this year, 27 goals, 63 points. That was his year with the Winnipeg Jets. We're talking about a player that has been good to very good, right? Like when when Pierre-Luc Dubois is engaged, when he is, how do I put this, fired up in a game, when he is determined that he is going to be a difference maker, he can be a difference maker. The problem with Pierre-Luc Dubois is that there are times where he's not that. I remember after game one of the Winnipeg series where I thought Pierre-Luc Dubois was the best player on the ice, I asked John Shannon flat out, how do you get that Pierre-Luc Dubois to show up every night? It's like, I don't know. I have no idea. That's that's the question with him. Is like He has moments where he takes games over. And then he has moments where he yells at his coach and his coach yells at him and he doesn't play. And like, that's the, that's, that's what happens with him. Now there's a couple of things that I think are important to point out here. Pierre-Luc Dubois has never been a 30 goal scorer. He's never eclipsed. He's never eclipsed 65 points in a season. Now that's not to say he can't be better. There were questions about Kevin Fiala when they when the Kings went out and got Fiala because you just didn't know if Fiala was for real or if that was a byproduct of playing alongside Kirill Kaprizov. If you have the ability to put Dubois and Fiala together, I think that that can be an electric combination for the Kings. I would expect an uptick in the production for Pierre-Luc Dubois. I really would. And then you've got the guys in the room that have been there before and have won it all. A guy like Andre Kopitar isn't going to tolerate a player taking shifts off. He's just not. It's yeah. not going to be a thing that's allowed in that room. The same thing can be said for a Drew Doughty. We we all know the sound bites that Drew gives you, but you can't argue that Drew isn't giving you 110, 120% every single time he's on the ice. Yeah, he wants to win. Tremendous leader. Tremendous leader, tremendous competitor, wants to win. Now, maybe that rubs off on Dubois. Maybe that's exactly what the player needs in order to reach and unlock his potential. But I'm not going to sit here and say that the room in Columbus was bad. I'm not going to sit here and say that Nick Foligno wasn't a demanding captain or a captain that expected his teammates to live up to what they needed to do in order to win. In fact, Columbus reached success because they played the right way, because that's what John Tortorella wanted from them, and that message wore thin. Same thing with Winnipeg, Rick Bonus, Blake Wheeler, all of that. So I feel like when you've when you've negotiated your way out of two teams already at the age of 25, when you haven't had a super elite season yet, to turn around and commit eight years, $8.5 million to a player that may be better than what we've seen, and you don't know if Gabe Velarde could turn into what he is right now. Like, we don't know if Velarde could be what you're getting right now in Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah. I have a hard time looking at this as anything but a lateral move, but here's where I lose it for the Los Angeles Kings. You don't have a goaltender signed. You've got openings on your back end. Now, if you believe Brant Clark can fill that role and Jordan Spence can fill that role, like you get that on the cheap, that's fine. But you still need to get through an 82-game season. You still have quite a few roster spots you have to fill out, one of them being a number one goaltender. No disrespect to Phoenix Copley. He was fantastic last year. But that isn't enough for a Los Angeles. It just isn't. So with all that being said... I think it's a lateral move at best when it comes to the players out versus the player in. It makes you a shallower team. And you just saw a team from this division in the Vegas Golden Knights win everything by being deeper than everybody else. Yeah. 
And you have made yourself more top-heavy, bringing in Pierre-Luc Dubois. You've essentially moved Quinton Byfield to the wing in perpetuity because you don't believe in him as a center, and I don't think that he's going to be at his best on the wing. I just don't understand this from the Kings' perspective outside of, let's just throw all of our chips in. Kopitar's under contract for one more year. How is he going to resign? Probably, but it's going to be a cheaper deal. That's fine. But the fact of the matter is, this to me feels like Rob Blake is saying, okay, we've got two years maybe with Andre Kopitar and Drew Doughty playing at a high level. Let's just try to move the needle as much as we can. Yeah, but you, you don't do that without a goalie. Well, and 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 got to find like one. Corpusalo, who you trade for, mm-hmm. is a free agent. And from what I see, the Kings have somewhere between like four and five million dollars. I, I would imagine Corpusalo is probably going to get a bit more than that on the open market. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe I think he maybe I think he's better than he actually is. But I, I feel like Corpusalo probably earned a big contract with the Kings with the way he played down the stretch. I just. I'm with you. The, you just watched a team 250 miles up I-15 from you win the Stanley Cup because they had so much depth. They had so much depth that Phil Kessel didn't play in the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. He played the first four games of the playoffs, and then he didn't play another game. You trade for Teddy Bluger, mm-hmm. and he could barely crack the lineup. That's how much depth this team had. If you're L.A., you gave up. Three pieces mm-hmm. that will help you to get one that will probably help you, but I don't feel like he helps you as much. And you look at his his numbers. I think he when you look at him overall, mm-hmm. he's about a sixty point guy. Yeah, that's what he like, is. Like he, he's a twenty five goal sixty point guy. He's got a sixty one point season, a sixty point season, a sixty point season, and a sixty three point season. Mm-hmm. That's who he is. Yeah. That's not eight and a half million dollars a season, especially when you look around the league and you see that a guy like Jack Hughes, who had a ninety-nine point season, mm-hmm. last I checked, ninety-nine is better than sixty-three, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's making less than that. You 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 look at Tage Thompson, who is a potential MVP candidate. Yeah. He's not making eight and a half million dollars. Come on, Jason Robertson. I mean, seven point seven five. How? Like, and, and, and it's and, not like it's not fair, right? To like just just look at the, the the players around him that have exploded. But I'm sorry, I'd rather have Jason Robertson and what he does. Now, granted, you didn't you didn't draft him. I get it. I understand that. But the fact of the matter is, it's an overpayment on the contract. It just is. If Pierre Luc Dubois is exactly what he has been. It's an overpayment. If Pierre-Luc Dubois is like a 10% increase on what he's been production-wise, it's still an overpayment. Like, you need Dubois to be elite. You need him to be elite because you've made your team less balanced. And I don't think you can win. If there's something that we've learned from the Edmonton Oilers, right? If there's something that we've learned from the Toronto Maple Leafs, I don't think you can be imbalanced and win in this league. You need depth. You need balance. And the Kings made themselves less deep today. And and the other aspect of this is, on, on top of the overpayment, mm-hmm. both Kupari and Velarde are 23 years old. 23 years old. Velarde, career highs in goals, 23, assists, 18, and points, 41 last year. And they're both very high first-round draft picks. Yeah, 
I know. And you, you've basically given up on them for a guy who, who you don't know what kind of effort you're going to get now, night in, night out. It is unfair to judge the Kings based on this because, as we mentioned, they need a goalie. They need to fill out the rest of their of their lineup and their roster. Uh, there's not a ton of money for them to do that. They've got about $4 million, and they need to fill quite a few spots. But that being said... We'll judge it all when, when we have all when we know what their who their goalie is going to be. Yeah, we'll know in, in probably about a week. But I'll be honest, I don't like this. Like it, from a Golden Knights perspective, it's great. Yeah, because I think it makes the Kings more one dimensional, and that is something that the Golden Knights are really, really well prepared and equipped to deal with. Well, you look at the way this team handled mm-hmm. teams in the playoffs that were very top heavy, mm-hmm. and. They they went through Dallas mm-hmm. like a hot knife through butter. Yeah. I know there was there was a little blip, but I think that was probably more of the Golden Knights not being focused as opposed to Dallas being better. They went through that team because they had no depth. They went through Edmonton because Edmonton had no depth. They went through Winnipeg. Well, because they're a lot better than Winnipeg. Well, they're not good. <laughs> they went through because, Florida because, because their their top line center was who? Uh, uh, Pierre Luc Dubois. Pierre Luc Dubois. <laughs> so, I, it, listen, one one final thing, and this is this is just my personal opinion on it. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that he is not going to change. I'm not going to sit here and say that in in six months, eight months, this is going to be a terrible take. Pierre Luc Dubois might come to L.A. and be amazing. But, 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 at, but at, at what point do you look at that and say? I mean, how many points does he need to get? Does, are we talking like 80 points? Does he need to be I a point-of-game guy? Yeah, I think he's got to be a point-of-game guy. To justify that contract. Somewhere in that ballpark. Okay. Like 70, 70 to 82 is fine. Like I think, yeah. Just in that ballpark. I'd love to see him score 30 goals. Because yeah, you got to get there once. Let me, let me, okay. Who's going to score more goals next year? Gabe Velarde or Pierre-Luc Dubois? I'd have to see who Velarde's playing with, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't just automatically say it's going to be... Pierre Luc Dubois. I don't think it's automatic at all. No, I think it could legitimately be either right, one of those guys. Because Velarde's probably going to play with with Kyle Connor. You would imagine. I mean, that's a guy who lights up the lamp. Nick Ehlers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's right there. He's for not going to be playing with scrubs. So, real quick, here's the breakdown in terms of trade protection for Pierre Luc Dubois on his new eight year, eight point five million dollar AAV contract. Uh, years two through five, full no move clause. Year six, fifteen team no trade clause. Seven and eight, ten team, no trade clause. That comes from Puckpedia. Um, Chapman, the most important question that you're going to answer on this Pierre Luc Dubois trade: Will Pierre Luc Dubois ask for a trade during his full no move clause years? Oh, I think it's a given. Okay, I think it's a given. Is there any <laughs> chance Dubois finishes out this contract as a Los Angeles King? No. Okay. I think I think at some point he will force his way to Montreal. Yeah. All right. Good. All right. That's Seems all to be the only place he wants to play. So it it's lateral move at best, I think, for the Los Angeles Kings. We're in agreement there. That is the full breakdown of Pierre Luc Dubois to Los Angeles for Gabe Velarde, Alex Ayafalo, and Rasmus Kupari, as well as a 2024 second round pick. Boy, oh boy, was that fun! I had love trade season. We're back with more on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Spicy, spicy opening hour of the VGK Insider Show. Hey, last week before hiatus, 
We're going to go hard. Uh, don't understand, as we just chronicled, why the Kings make that big trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois. But hey, I imagine there's more coming from Los Angeles general manager Rob Blake. Because, you know, probably unwise to go into next season with just one goaltender under contract. <laughs> so... North Pole, Alaska, baby. Hey, Phoenix Copley was the only guy playing for him last year. So we'll see how that goes. But hey, Golden Knights, they're opening up the season, raising a banner against the Seattle Kraken. That'll be October 10th. We found that out earlier today. And as we look ahead to hour number two, Darren Millard is going to join us on the other side of the break from Nashville on the BGK Insider Show.